What a great God we serve today. Mighty God, mighty God. Appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. One verse of scripture. Continuing in our new series, the second lesson uh, from the book of Galatians about standing in liberty. Uh, one scripture, Galatians 3 and 11 today. Galatians 3 and 11. Paul wrote, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Praise God. And so today we're going to talk about justified by faith. Let's bow our heads and pray for the lesson today. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. We thank you for faith that you've given us, Lord. I ask you to, Lord, help us with it today. Let us hear what the Spirit would say through your word, let it come into good ground that it might produce in our lives, Lord, and make us better. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen one more time. Give him another hand clap and a shout of praise for his word. What a great God. What a great God. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. God's so good to us. So justified by faith. And, uh, man, we've got a buzz going on somewhere. I don't know where that's coming from. But um, the idea in this lesson is that uh, because, uh, as the Scripture just we read, said in the flesh nobody can live up to the high standard of Old Testament law. We must live for God by faith. It's, it doesn't exclude the works that we do. It doesn't exclude the commandments we must obey, but... Even that is to be done by faith, our faith in the Lord. We, you know, when you keep commandments, if you just keep them because you're trying to keep up with the crowd, that's not faith, and it's definitely not love for the Lord. The Bible says uh, that Jesus told us that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I don't uh, know if this mic gets too bad. I'll swap mics. Might better do that because it sounds like this. So what Paul wrote here that no man, and keep this scripture in mind as we read or talk about our father of faith. Anybody know who the father of faith is in the scripture? Nobody want to answer. Abraham. Who said that? You get a prize. There you go, Bibby. Bibby gets the prize. Yes, Abraham. And so think about Abraham. Uh, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident for the just shall live by faith. There is a story in the, the life of Abraham. Of course, we, we think about him just leaving and going. Just, hey, I'm, I'm out. The Lord said, leave, leave your country, leave your people, leave everything behind and go to where I tell you. And Abraham went. And that's amazing uh, enough that he would do that. But in his life, he was given a promise that he would have a child and that uh, it was in his old age that he would have a child through Sarah and uh, it seemed impossible because of his age uh, and her age as well. The scripture said he was as good as dead and it was just uh, seemed to the natural eye, to the flesh, to what you understand in your carnal mind, there's no way this can happen but it says that you know, Sarah judged him faithful who had promised, and they believed the Lord. But this son is born, and Isaac is his name. And in Isaac would Abraham's seed be called. And 
And so we find a place in the book of Genesis in Abraham's life where God tells Abraham one day, I want you to take your son, your only son that you love. I want you to take Isaac and then go uh, into Moriah and take him to a mountain that I tell you of and sacrifice your child there. Now, Abraham was a man of faith. And I'm sure that this did not make sense to Abraham because, uh, you know, in the the land he came from where they worshipped other gods and they had other uh, rituals and things that they people served, it probably wasn't uncommon. He probably knew about child sacrifice. There was, uh, we know how that some would offer their child in the fire, um, and we read about that in Scripture. So if he had still been there, maybe, well, okay, that's uh, not strange uh, because that's in the land I went to, but this God, this holy God has called me out of that, and now he's asking me to sacrifice. It doesn't make any sense, and yet he still chooses to obey and do as he is told. Sometimes when uh, that's living by faith, we don't always understand why God says do this. When God, this could affect the promise because, you know, you gave me this child and you said in Isaac my seed would be called, but now you're asking me to sacrifice him. I, I don't understand how this can work, and we will not always understand and it's not always meant for us to understand outright, or it wouldn't be faith. It would just be our knowledge, that we our understanding. But sometimes it's like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Remember Wednesday night we talked about having faith enough that we could say, but if not. There are times where we don't just have faith in faith, but we have faith in God. And so uh, it didn't make sense to Abraham, but he and Isaac, along with a few servants, they set out on a three-day journey going to this mountain, and uh, Isaac has no idea. Uh, the servants have no idea. Only Abraham, carrying the weight of this, knows, I am going to sacrifice my child. When they get to the mountain, Abraham commands the servants to wait here. He said, me and the lad, we're going to go up, and we're going to worship. And then, this is a, a statement of faith, and he says, then we will come back unto you. Now, some could say, well, maybe he was just trying to hide the fact because if he had just said, then I'll be back, they would have been like, well, what are you doing with Isaac? But I believe it was more. It wasn't him trying to cover it up. I believe he knew that God was able. The Scripture even says that Abraham knew that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. And so as they get ready to go, the, Isaac has seen his father, watched his life, knows that Abraham is a man of faith, and he's, he realizes what they're going to do. He says, I see the wood, Father, I see the fire, but, but where is the burnt offering? And Abraham simply tells him that God will provide a lamb for the offering. When they get to the place of sacrifice, Abraham builds the altar. He lays the wood upon the rocks, and he's getting everything ready. And, you know, we have to look into it and, and try to uh, use our own imagination with this, but there's no scripture saying that Isaac resisted Abraham. I believe that Isaac trusted his father enough. And maybe some people thought Abraham was crazy because he just walked away from his homeland at the voice of a God he had never served. But Isaac had watched his father and knew that 
God had blessed him. He knew that God was real and that Abraham was a man of faith. And so I just believe that uh, when it came time, he told his son, come here. And he began maybe to bind his hands or bind his feet so you, that you are the sacrifice. Maybe Isaac even climbed up onto the altar because he trusted in his father's faith that much. He realized that if God has said this, then this must be what needs to be done. And as Abraham draws the knife back, then God stops him and says, do not harm him because now I know that you fear me and I know that you have faith in me, that you serve me because you would not even withhold your only son. And, of course, we know that they see a ram caught in the bush and they offer up the ram for the sacrifice. God did provide the sacrifice just like he said he would. So Abraham had faith. And uh, James in uh, his uh, book wrote in James chapter 2 that, uh, Abraham's faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And so uh, when we think about faith and we think about uh, Abraham, he is the father of faith, and even uh, one writer said Abraham is the father of us all, speaking in, in terms of those who live by faith because Abraham is that father of faith. Paul is reminding in our scripture, the Galatians, that they did not receive the spirit that they have, the spirit of the Holy Ghost by works of the law, but they did it, they received it by the hearing of faith. In Galatians 3 and 2, that's, he asked him the question. He said, this only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? How did the Spirit come to you? It wasn't because uh, you had sacrificed enough. It wasn't because you had uh, kept a feast, but it was because of your faith of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he is... Uh, talking to these Gentile Christians, this, this church that he established because they were being swayed to start obeying some of the Mosaic law by other Jewish Christians. They were called Judaizers. Uh, in, if you read it, study it in history, they, because they were trying to convert uh, Gentile Christians uh, to start believing in and obeying some of the Mosaic law or all, actually keeping all of the law. And so... Uh, Paul wondered, how could you be swayed so quickly from this gospel, which is not even another gospel? And maybe it's because uh, salvation was to the Jew first. You know, on the day of Pentecost, it fell in Jerusalem and it fell on the Jews. And maybe they, they understand the background that uh, God poured out his spirit on the Jews first. And hey, Jesus was of Jewish lineage. And maybe the Jews have a greater insight than we do into uh, this uh, religion and, and into this way. So, so maybe that's why they trusted what these Jews were saying to them. But Paul, being a, a great master in the law and being schooled and just very wise and, and at one point was so uh, zealous of keeping the law, he understands that this new uh, covenant, this grace, this gospel of Jesus Christ has freed them from keeping all these points of the law and that you can't keep the law. You're not justified by the works of the law. It doesn't happen. You're not going to be justified by these works of the law uh, in doing these things. You have believed. You didn't receive the spirit by the law 
and you're not going to be made perfect by the law. You need to keep walking in the ways of the Spirit. Walking by faith, the just shall live by faith. You need to keep living by faith. Don't throw away. Don't trade faith for works. Now, we know faith and works go together. We'll talk about that in a minute. But some people, uh, it's either or. They trade it out. Or they try to trade uh, true worship. The Bible says we must worship in spirit and truth. And they lay down worship for works. I knew people that have been pulled away from truth and apostolic faith because uh, they saw a place and they said, man, they're just doing all this outreach and they're doing all this stuff in this community and they're, and they're doing these things and doing this and doing that and, and they're really helping people. And I said, yeah, that's great. I said, there's a lot of organizations that help people and take care of people and provide for people that have nothing to do with God at all. I said, and, and it's great that they're doing all that, but uh, what good is it? To, to give somebody a water from a well that they'll just have to keep coming to. Jesus said we've got to give them living water. We've got to talk to them about living water. And I said, and it's one of us, I'm not against them helping people and doing those things. I said, but you're talking about walking away from the truth of God's word to join them and be like them so that you can fit in just so you can go and, and hand out lunches or hand, you know give clothes out or things like that. I said, you can do that, but you don't have to sacrifice your worship for works. Because there's a lot of people, like I said, that do a lot of things, give to charities, do all kinds of things, have nothing to do with God at all. And so uh, while we're not against people helping communities and doing things, we do know that you can't be saved by those works. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ. You have to believe in him today. And, and so in this new church that was just new and starting and, and the new converts, especially the Gentiles, very impressionable. There were Judaizers who were there that were saying, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep these feasts. You've got to uh, keep the Sabbath. You've got to keep doing all these things that Moses wrote in the law, trying to make them more perfect. But you can't be more perfect by the law. And it happens in the church today. Uh, you know, uh, in the church today, we are instructed to be holy because God is holy. And so we know that we are to, uh, you know, have holiness uh, and to perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord and, and all these things. We know that the Scripture teaches us to live a holy lifestyle for uh, godliness is profitable unto all things. Be more like God. And, and so we do believe in the practice of holiness, in other words, of being more like God. Uh, is uh, we do that, uh, but when uh, we talk about holiness, the world almost all automatically starts saying that's legalism. That's just works, and it's not faith. And unfortunately, it's, they they believe like that because some people have made that happen. Some people have been like Judaizers to new converts in the church. I, I said it last week. If we had the same kind of uh, attitude toward new converts as we did new babies, these new converts would get a lot farther if we would just let them grow. But unfortunately, what happens is that they come in, they, they, they start man, worshiping, they start believing, you see the light coming on, and immediately somebody starts trying to tell them, hey, you got to look like this, you got to stop doing this, you got to wear this, don't wear that. And, and all these things that they have no idea what you're talking about. 
they don't understand what you're, you know, what do you mean? I, I, I've been just feeling so good and feeling the love of God and all these things, and now all of a sudden I've got like a, a, a giant rule book. You've turned the Bible into a rule book for them, and, 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 and any time that you do, that's where, uh, that's legalistic action right there. When somebody don't even know the Lord good yet, and you're already trying to press them into a mold, it won't work. It just doesn't work. And any time you tag on any requirement to the new birth experience so that somebody can be saved, you're wrong. The only, word, the only thing it says about being born again is to be born again, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And then, then that's new life. Now you start learning how to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why they start reading the Word so they can learn and grow and learn these things without somebody trying to jam it down their throat or pin it to them or tag it on them because they don't even understand yet. And so anytime we do that, that's where we get hit with, oh, man, that's dictatorship, legalism, trying to, that pastor over there just wants to hold them under the thumb. It's, you know, we get all these bad reports on us when we just simply want people to fall in love with Jesus, hear the gospel, believe the gospel, be born again in the water, in the spirit, and then live their life for the Lord. Yes, there are holiness standards that are established by the word of God. Yes, they are. If anything that we do or that we preach, if it's not backed up by the word, then it's just us. But the things that we do and the things that we believe, we believe that they are in the word of God. And guess what? You ever take a handful of seed? You ever plant grass in your yard and you just get a handful of seed? And you, you, that's what we used to do, just throw it. We didn't have one of them spreaders. We just threw it out by our hand, just throwing grass seed. Do you know that every single one of those seeds doesn't grow? It just does it. It, it hits, all hits the same ground, but it all doesn't grow at once. That's why you reseed <laughs> so that you can get and You know what? When we're preaching a lot of times, man, that seed's going to hit people in the audience. They're going to be like, that's right, the light's coming on, light's coming on. But some people are like, I don't get it. That's all right. Just keep coming because <laughs> I'm going to keep throwing the seed. <laughs> and that's all i got to do. i just got to keep throwing the seed. And eventually... The light will come on. If you stay with it, if you hang around, if you keep if you keep taking personal responsibility for your walk with God and search the scriptures and, and begin to pray and fast and seek God, not just think, church, you know, my walk with God is simply based on how much I can run or jump or leap or shout. It's not. That's part of it. Love every bit of that. But we've got to do things that will uh, help us uh, grow. Uh, in faith, grow in grace, grow in knowledge, and learn what the Word of God says. I believe every one of these standards of holiness that we have. I believe it because there's Scripture for it. But I'm not going to take somebody fresh out of the water and try to squeeze it onto them and, and, and make them think, you know, or if I see them, hey, well, they just got the Holy Ghost and they still, well, yeah, they still. But they don't know yet. And that's, the, that's uh, what was happening in the church of Galatia. Man, these, they're brand new, born of the Spirit. They're brand new converts. And they're like, hey, walking up to them, hey, you know, to, the, to the men, hey, have you been circumcised? Grown man. <laughs> nope. 
you know, they were like, uh-oh, well, guess what? You need to make that appointment. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, if you want to be saved. And now, wow, oh, and now they're confused because they were feeling so good about their new birth experience, and now all of a sudden they've, they've got somebody telling them something that's not, not there. And so these standards that are established by the Word of God, they, they promote modest and holy living in this world. It's a, this is an unholy world. There's got to be a difference between us and the world. And, and for every aspect of our life, the Word of God addresses every part of our life. That's why the Scripture says that we present ourselves uh, blameless to Him in our bodies, in our spirits, uh, you know, in what can be seen and what cannot be seen. It should start on the inside. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. There needs to be a new heart before we start trying to live a new way. Yeah, it, because if, it, if there's not a new heart, you won't continue to live a new way. If you're not really got it inside, you're, you're just trying to keep up with the crowd, you'll get tired of that eventually because you're not seeing the benefits of it, but when you by faith begin to obey scriptures, now all of a sudden you see the benefits of the. Well, I never understood that. There's people today, they just will not. Hey, let me tell you, they will sit on their wallets, they will not pay tithes, they will not give offerings, and they struggle with finances all the time. And they can't understand how somebody who doesn't make as much money as they do has more money than they do. But it's because they're faithful, because God said in his word, hey, try it and see. Go ahead and give and see if I won't pour you out a blessing and you won't be able to contain it. Go ahead and give uh, an offering, free will offering from your heart and see. Because once you give, it will be given back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And because uh, they don't now, maybe they just don't see it yet. Hopefully they will. But, but if, you, if you're just throwing money in there because God loves a cheerful giver, and if they have to, you know, if, you, if, that, if that envelope's crinkled up because you can't let go of it, you know, uh, God sees that. And he's like, you know, you're, you're giving with a grudge. Like, I can't buy you know, another offering. Oh, my goodness. Hey, ain't you glad we just take one offering a week? Just one a week. And guess what? Never been laid on a bill, never wanted for anything, paid for stuff. We, we buy stuff, we pay for it. We, 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 we've never been in danger, even through the pandemic, things like that, never been in danger of going under. We still give to missions. We still give to evangelists. We still take care of things and do stuff. We do all that stuff, and God gives it back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God does. But, but it works, and that's because we obey by faith. It's, it's, it's got to be by faith. And, and so these other things that we do that separate us, uh, it keeps us, it protects us. People look at it as a prison cell, but, it's a, but I've seen these, you know, you've heard people say it and seen the little uh, drawings or something, little memes. It's like uh, a guard, it's a guardrail. And some people think, well, it's a fence. No, it's not a fence. It's a guardrail. It's there to protect you from going off the edge. It's, it's there to keep you. you know, when you're driving down the road, you see a guardrail. You know, hey, I don't go past that or I go off the cliff. And so you try to keep uh, from, I don't even want to hit the guardrail. So, uh, you know, I, I want to stay as, I, I realize, hey, that's there for a reason. So I'm going to stay over here so I don't uh, tear myself up. You can tear yourself up getting too close to the edge. 
So you, you want to be careful about things like that. And so when we uh, are uh, observing these standards of holiness that we see in the Scripture, uh, they should be a reflection of what God has done inside of us, of our inward faith of the Lord and the redemptive power that He has in our lives. It, there should be a difference. Because God, listen, because the new birth plan works. When we're buried in the water, our sins are washed away. And the Bible says that we're baptized into Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, Paul said once we're raised up out of the water, we are, we are supposed to walk in newness of life. So, yes, there is a responsibility on our part to start. If we repented, then we start doing our best to live the opposite of the life we had before. That's on us. God does not drag us away kicking and screaming from that old life. We make a decision to walk away from it and, and live in the newness of life and walk in the newness of life and live our lives for him because we know that he has washed us from sin and uh, so we don't want to go back to those things. I don't want to build again the things I destroyed. I, so I don't become a transgressor of God's grace and, and his mercy. I want to live my life the best I can for him. Will I fall? Sure, I will. Though a good man fall, it's going to happen sometimes. It happens to the best of us. But we just get up and keep going for God. That's what we're supposed to do. So when we try to simply do the things that... You, they, if you walk into a church, you say, let me take notice here. What's everybody? Let me, okay, I'll make sure next week I am dressed just like everybody else. Make sure I'm doing greeting everybody just like everybody. I'm going to just mirror everybody. And you're doing it just so you fit in. You'll get tired of that eventually. But when you see that God has these things in the scripture for your benefit... And that you begin to receive the benefit of these things and realize that, man, this does protect me. It makes me to shine a good light before men so that people can glorify my Father. You just gladly begin to uh, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. So when we live by the Word of God, we're living by the Spirit. And the faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word. When we... Uh, when the just live by faith, it means they live by the word. And everything that you do is by faith. See, some people think, well, giving's not faith. Oh, yeah, it is. Just like praying for the sick is faith. Yeah, you, you pray in faith. You, you, when, when you preach, you better preach in faith. And, and uh, the things that we do uh, is all by faith. Whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all in his name. We do it through faith in his name. I have faith in him. And, and so whatever I'm doing, I do it by faith. I, I now walk by faith. I live by faith. And so I realize that it is the spirit. It's, if I'm just doing the thing so I fit in, I'm just trying. I've got my reward. That's my reward. Everybody likes me. Everybody thinks I'm one of them. Everybody thinks I'm good. Everybody thinks I'm nice. Everybody thinks I'm, I'm a Christian. Everybody thinks I'm a nice person and, and a giving person. Y'all see I put my offering in? You know, uh, make sure y'all see me put my offering in. You know, that's, well, that's just so you, now everybody knows I give. Uh, I got to sit where everybody can see me. I'm going I'm to make sure I holler real loud when I go down to the altar so everybody Turn and look and realize, whoa, he's really, uh, you got your reward. 
and I don't want to be like that. I, I, we're not, remember last week we talked about we're not doing these things to be a pleaser of men. We do this to please God. And so we live by faith. And so Paul asked another question in Galatians 3 and 3. He said, now having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Because once he moves in, the Bible says we are complete in him. Or, and that's what the word perfection means. It doesn't mean you don't have a single flaw or single, you know, something to work on it. But we're complete. We're, we're headed toward, we've got, in other words, what we need to get things done in our life. That's why Jesus said, without me you can do nothing because you're incomplete without me. But we are complete in him. And so uh, now that he has moved in and I've begun in the spirit that's what Jesus wanted. Even John the Baptist said, hey, there's one coming after me. He wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He wants to put his spirit in you. We, he will, that's, that's the beginning of your new life. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, new birth, new life. That's what he wanted. And then the rest of the stuff you'll learn as you go along the way. Abraham eventually found out where he was going. But he had no idea when the Lord said, come on. Peter and the rest of them eventually learned what it meant to be a fisher of men, but they had no idea when Jesus simply said, follow me. And so they just started walking. Two days into it, still no idea. Because we're just walking. Uh, we're, we're living by, by faith. We're going to follow him. And there'll be some days where we don't do nothing but walk through the desert. Because there's a lot of desert in Israel. And there were no highways. And it was hot. And man, can you imagine having to stop and eat fish that's been in your bag? And you've been walking in the heat for about three days. <laughs> oh, oh man. That'll make you a vegetarian in a minute. Just give me some of them dates or some of them figs or something, man. I can't handle no, ooh, let me knock that worm off that fish. Come on. Ooh, you know, they ain't had no... No, that fish was making its own tartar sauce. Hey, nobody. So nobody wants that. But they just walk in by faith. Woo. Walking by faith. Wanting to figure out what am I going to do? Peter had no idea about keys coming his way. He had no idea about preaching at Pentecost. He had no any of that stuff. This is what you learn when you walk by faith. You start beginning uh, to understand and see what God's doing little bit by little bit by little bit. Peter could not preach Pentecost on day one or day two. Oh, you know how long he followed him? He, he follows the Lord for about three years. Three years. And, and in, in that, he's, he's wrong a lot. <laughs> yeah? But he's still walking by faith. What did Jesus pray? I'm praying that your faith fails not, Peter. I just don't want your faith to fail because that's how you live. And if you got faith, you'll keep walking and you'll keep doing the right things. Uh, you know, you'll, yeah, you'll mess up now and then, but you'll keep doing it. And so uh, they began walking by his word. They, he was the spirit manifest in the flesh. And they were walking with him, following the spirit, listening to what the spirit said. When Jesus talked, they're just simply listening to what the spirit is saying because he's God who is that spirit manifest in the flesh. And that's us now. The Holy Ghost is in us, and it's in his word. And while we're living this life, we're learning how to live by the word. 
when uh, your preacher is preaching. That's why people need to come to church. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's, they've got to hear preaching somewhere. So their faith, they, I mean, it's, it is vital to your life. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people, they don't need a, I don't need a pastor. Whew. Scary stuff. I needed mine. I need, I need him still. And uh, I wish he was alive today, but I've got men that have stepped in and that I can talk with and counsel with and that can straighten me out if I need it because I let them because I don't want to be lost and I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to, to lead nobody else in the wrong way. So uh, Paul's wondering now, you, you started in the spirit, now you're trying to achieve perfection through fleshly works and through human works and it just won't happen. Listen, Human beings, we, we as people, we are flawed. Yeah, we, the, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even uh, one writer said, "On or man in his best state, as good as he can be, still vanity. He, he just can't be. We're, we're imperfect. And when we strive for perfection in our flesh, that is just an exercise in futility. It'll never work. You'll, or me, or no one will ever be good enough within themselves to be perfect, to be complete, and to make it to heaven. It just won't happen. And so, uh, Paul knew this because Paul lived by the law and he realized that he lacked something when Jesus knocked him down on that road and said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul learned who Jesus was. Listen, if humanity could achieve perfection, there would have been no need for Calvary. If we could save ourselves uh, without, uh, you know, Calvary, I mean, then why, why would Jesus even come? Why would we need him? And so the question that Paul asked was uh, pointing out how foolish it is when you depart from the spirit that you receive at your conversion. It's possible to do that. You can walk away from the spirit. Yeah, it can happen. You can walk away from the spirit. And so that's, a, that's foolish. And when we strive for fleshly perfection, it sets us up for failure. It produces discouragement. And then that's what increases the probability of us walking away. Because when we do that, uh, we have turned holiness living, church living. We've turned it into a habit. It's just a hobby. It's a habit. I'm trying. It's just like when people, you know, they will turn over a new leaf every year. I'm, I'm going on a diet. And so I know to do that, I've got to change my lifestyle. And that's what happens when you try to live holy because you say, well, I, I just got to be better. So I'm going to start. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to start doing what everybody else does, uh, you know. And then at home, I'll just do whatever I want to do. But when I'm at church, I'll do this. And, and I, I'm just going to. It becomes a habit. And just like, you know, just like most diets, they don't, nobody sticks with them. Uh, you try another one. Yeah, this thing, uh, because they don't see results fast enough, well, it's, that, that diet's not working. So, uh, I mean, how many people have joined Weight Watchers and then, not, and then, then left it? How many people every year or January, this year is going to be different. I'm losing, that, I'm losing that weight. I'm eating better. Last uh, a little while. 
And then I'm, I'm going to try something else because every time you turn the news on or look through an ad, there's a new vitamin to take, a new drink to drink. So, you know, there's, there's always something new to take that's going to make you better. And so, wow, look at them. Bro. Look how good they look in that picture. I bet I'll look like that if I take that. Man, you take so much stuff, nothing's working. And that's what happens to people trying to manifest perfection in the church by works of the flesh. Nothing's working. I'm just, I'm going to try. They don't try. Well, I'm, it ain't working here, so I'm going over there. But it's the same thing. I'm going over here. Well, it's the same thing. I still feel the same. I still feel rotten no matter where I go because you hadn't let the Spirit do anything yet. You've got to live by faith, not just your works. You can't do that. And so the key to making it is consistency, but not consistency in just doing things. It's got to be consistency on the spiritual side, a consistent time of prayer. Got to be some prayer. Study. Well, I got out of school. I said I'd never study again. Well, you need to. You need to study God's word. Worship. The Bible says God's searching for people, looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth. Fellowship with the body. Uh, fastings. Yes, even fastings. Those kind of things. Uh, you know, speaking to yourself, singing to yourself in, in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual things. Uh, you know, reading these scriptures, getting something inside of you. Praying every day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven, give me this day my daily bread. I, I need something today. That consistency, that's what helps you maintain uh, a continuity. You know what continuity is? That's a continuation of something. That's, uh, that's what will help you in your spiritual life. Our faith needs to be nurtured. Yeah, God gives you faith. But man, you've got to do something with what God gives you. Yeah? Come on, somebody. You've got, to, you've got to do something with what God gives you. And being filled with the Holy Ghost is one of the absolute, if not the greatest thing that can ever happen to you on planet Earth. But, friend, that is simply the beginning of your walk. Paul had lived for God the way he knew to live. But he had to have the Holy Ghost too. And when he got the Holy he was already a grown man. And knew about God, knew about the Old Testament, knew about the law, knew about Moses. But he didn't know nothing about Jesus yet. Until Jesus showed him. And so when Paul's filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the beginning of Paul's new life. Yeah, he was a grown man and he had to learn. He had to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. He had to, you know, uh, the Lord appeared to Paul, spoke to him, told him what he would have to do. And you read through the book of Acts a couple of different times, uh, instances where the Lord stood by him and spoke to him. And, and so uh, Paul was given great revelations and all kind of things. And, but his new life didn't begin as, uh, until he was filled with the Holy Ghost, until he, until he had received the Spirit. And it's the same with us. And so Paul had to do his part to strengthen his walk with God, just like we have to do our part to strengthen our walk and deepen our faith with the Lord. And so uh, remembering what Paul said uh, at the beginning, you know, about the we're not justified by the works of the law and the just shall live by faith. Um, Paul is uh, reiterating this message that 
that receiving the Spirit, we do that not by works of the law, but it's by by faith. We've got to remember that that's how we get it. That's how we got it. We heard somebody preach about it. The Lord said himself, he said, that they that believe on me or have faith in me should receive it. So that uh, the being filled with the Holy Ghost comes through faith. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what happened at Cornelius' house. While Peter was preaching, it fell on them. Because they, why? Because faith came alive in that place. And so they were, they were filled with the Spirit. And so Paul understands that uh, the, the Jews have received this, but they, they can't seem to let go of, this, of the laws and, and the things that... Uh, uh, Abraham, the, uh, even the Jews in Jesus' day, they, hey, Abraham, man, he's, he's our father. We have Abraham to our father, and they, they were just so sticking with Abraham. But the Lord said, well, if you're Abraham's kids, you do what Abraham did. But, but anyway, he's, this is, remember I told you, think about Abraham when it says that uh, nobody is justified by works of the law. The law was given 430 years after the promise was given to Abraham. 430 years later, the law shows up. So what Abraham did, being justified by his faith, uh, taking off and walking, everything Abraham did, he just his actions were based on the direction he received from God. It wasn't any man's writings. It wasn't any other. It was just God said, do this. That's what I did. God said, take off walking. I took off walking. I didn't know where I was going. Just did it. God told me to take my kid three days journey, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him. That's what I did. Abraham, uh, listen, he started in faith. He obeyed in faith. And he finished in faith. That was it. Abraham was dead before the law showed up. But he lived by faith. And he was the friend of God. I, I want to live by faith. In James 2, James, uh, you know, we read about faith and works. This teaching does not contradict what Paul wrote to the Galatians about being justified by the law. Uh, you know, we know that uh, works cannot save us. But it does demonstrate that our faith should be visible in our works. Abraham's faith in God was visible through his walk. Abraham's faith was visible by the fact that he laid Isaac up on the altar. And so it was visible when he pulled the knife back. It was uh, evident that he believed what God said and was doing what God said. But our faith has no substance if there are no actions to demonstrate it. It's just words. Uh, think of the, the saying, actions speak louder than words. That, that applies to the those teachings that James uh, had in James 2. And that's what we're going to read now, James 2, 21 through 24, talking about Abraham. He said, Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? And then James is trying to help them understand. He said, Seest thou, or don't you see how faith wrought with his works? And by works... Faith was made perfect. He didn't say, well, it says was faith made perfect, but that's not saying, he's not asking was faith made perfect. He was saying that by works was faith made perfect. So because just having faith, take your son and offer him, okay, God. But if he don't go, 
There's no proof that he really believes it. He just he said, okay, I'll go, but then he didn't go. So there's no action to prove that he actually trusts God's word. And so he's saying uh, the scripture now was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So we do live by faith, but we have to have works that show our faith. I'm not saved by my works. See, you don't want to reverse it because, listen, the Bible says, By grace are you saved through faith and not of works. And so that way we can't boast and say, Well, God, God called me because of how good I was at preaching or how good I was at giving or by my works God called me no he calls everybody and we have to respond in faith and then by faith uh, our works uh, will show what we believe about God and and how we follow God so uh, you can't think of it as a rule book because we do not follow rules or complete a checklist and then expect redemption uh, he purchased our redemption with his blood. So it's, there's no works that could ever redeem us. Our faith is visible by our actions as we follow the leading of God. I know I'm getting close on my time. If, honey, if you want, or whoever's coming, uh, we'll come to the music. So Paul says in our opening scripture, the just shall live by faith. And there's plenty of scriptures that declare that and show that. Uh, Faith is confusing, it's perplexing at times because uh, it often goes against our need for physical evidence. But Scripture still instructs us, live by faith. In Webster's Dictionary, it says faith is the belief and trust and loyalty to God. But the Bible definition says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we come to Jesus, faith is born within us. And while we may not see him visibly, we can experience his presence with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, thus fulfilling the evidence of things not seen. That's why we tell people when they feel the Holy Ghost is evidenced by speaking in other tongues, we know they've got the Holy Ghost because we that's how they knew it in the scripture. They say, hey, we know God's poured his spirit out on them because we hear them glorifying, magnifying God in other tongues just like we did. So they knew that. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me or to the Father but by me. Jesus was not just saying, I know the way. He said, I am the way. He was the same I am that answered God, or Moses out of the burning bush. When Moses wanted to know, who do I tell sent me? He said, you tell him I am has sent you. And when Jesus said, I am the way, uh, he was stating, I am God manifest in the flesh. I am the way. That's why Isaiah wrote of him. uh, The Lord spoke in Isaiah, look unto me and be ye saved all ends of the earth. Because I am God and there is none else. There's, There's nobody else. Jesus was more than a prophet or teacher. He was God Almighty. He was God Almighty. So remember what Paul said about the gospel. He said, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, then let it be accursed. There is no other gospel. Uh, Don't let people distort that for you. 
And so don't let anybody change what we know. And, and, and make sure that we're helping people and not setting stumbling blocks in front of them. Because when they have faith in him and they obey the gospel, they're starting out. And let's help them along their walk with God and, 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 and not compare ourselves. It's not, it's not right for, you know, a, a, if you're a grown-up and you took a kid out on the golf course with you and, you, you know, you're a scratch golfer, man. You're just wearing it out. And they've never even picked up a club. And you, or you ain't nowhere as good as me. Well, that's not fair. What an unfair comparison because, of course not. He don't even know what you're in the club to hold. He's never played it before. So you, 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 know, you want to uh, beat up on him because he's not as good as you. It's for, there's no comparison. And it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 50 years and had the Holy Ghost for, for 40 of that. And somebody comes in and they've had the Holy Ghost four minutes. There's no comparison. You don't compare them. You know, it's... You say, that's my brother, that's my sister, and I'm just going to help them along. I just want to help them along. It would help new converts feel less intimidated if it didn't look like we was walking up to them with a checklist. All right. If everybody in our church looks exactly the same way as us, we're doing something wrong. And those that don't look like us should not feel uncomfortable around us. They shouldn't. And so pray and ask God to help you. Lord, don't let me make anybody uncomfortable, but let me just love them and help them and reach for them and lead them, teach them, mentor them, you know, the Bible says we have to be long-suffering, gentle, apt to teach, instructing those that oppose themselves. They, they don't realize. They said so you, you be kind to them, you be gentle to them, you, you teach them, you instruct them so they can learn how to live their life for God, learn to follow the leading of the Spirit. Praise God. And I'm happy for folks that get it right off the bat I'm just as happy for those who keep walking every day yeah. trying and, and striving to just grow closer to God let's stand together this morning thank you Jesus Lord lift your hands let's pray together Lord we love you so much thankful thankful for faith thankful Lord that we live by faith thankful for your mercy and grace your long suffering with us Help us, God, to be the same towards others. And as we preach to people who have never heard about you, Lord, when we witness to people who don't know your goodness and mercy, God, that, Lord, that they'll feel the love that we felt when you called us. Help us to be helping hands and not stumbling blocks. Help us, Lord, to reach this world, to be a light in this city. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Great God. What a mighty God. Excited. We're uh, supposed to baptize uh, Sister Jordan. Received the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. Yeah, just back there in her, in her seat praying back there. And some of them went to pray with her before you know it. She's filled the Holy Ghost. And she messaged me, said, I want to be baptized today. So we're excited about that. And so, uh, man, let's just pray that God will just 
move in our midst today and we can see the power and glory of God. Amen. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.